Before we get started today, I thought we'd have something a little strange again. So I'm going to be doing a couple of things. These three are for you. These two are for you. These six are for you. Whoa. You two don't get any. <laughs> These seven are for you. You get one. Not for you in the back. That's Trayvon, you get five. Trayvonzi, you get seven. Mom and Grandma get one each. Oh, let's see. Philip doesn't get any. You get five and you share one. You get one. Sorry, the rest of you just got out of luck. <laughs> so, what's your basic thought about what just happened right there? I've heard it, Max. What would you say? Uneven, and Phil would call that. It was uneven. Phil says it's unfair, and you specifically pointed out that I gave some to some people and uh, some none to some, right? All, all the people in the back, right? Just didn't get any. And the good news is, if you're upset, don't worry. There's plenty more where that came from. We can even it out later. But I wanted to illustrate the topic this morning of that's not fair. That's just not fair. People have an expectation of fairness. In fact, if you've got people, uh, kids who are maybe two or three years old, even they might notice that that's not fair. That's one of the first things we learn after no. We learn that that's not fair. By the time you're in kindergarten, we have an expectation that Johnny got two crackers, I should get two crackers, right? It's pretty well built in when we're kids. You know, if you look at that division of a pie, right? First of all, that's my kind of pie slice over there on the right. So when you see a pie cut like that, you probably should assume I cut it. But this is not fair. Sometimes people go for a smaller slice of pie because they don't want to have too much sugar. Sure, I understand that. But if everything else being equal, if I were to give different pieces of that pie, somebody would think, it's not quite fair. Why does, you know, James get the biggest piece of pie, right, back here, and Phil gets the smallest? It's not fair. But the problem is, Life isn't fair. Some are born with beauty. Obviously, I missed out on that. Some are born into riches. Some are born into free countries. Some are not. Life is not fair, even though we sometimes try to make it more fair. The sooner we understand that life isn't fair and we need to make the best of it that we can, I think the better off we're going to be is God fair. Let's take a look. That's kind of the point of our message here this morning. Phil read the first two verses of this. So stay with me as we read the first seven verses here out of Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. When he goes out first thing in the morning, that's about 6 a.m. 
6 a.m. Verse 3, going out about the third hour, 9 a.m., he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You go into my vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again, sixth hour, noon, and the ninth hour, 3 p.m. in the afternoon, he did the same. Look at the next verse. This is where we'll probably make it a little closer to home. He went out about the 11th hour, 5 p.m., 11 hours into the 12 hours workday, and he found others standing. And he said, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said, you go into my vineyard too. So the master hired workers early in the morning, right, 6 a.m. all the way to 5 p.m., and agreed to pay them for their work. He went out and hired more workers. He told them to go on out and he would pay whatever was proper, whatever was right. Look what happens at the end of the day, starting verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers in and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, the most recent people, the 5 p.m. people, and then going all the way back to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. A denarius was a coin that was pretty well used for a, a, a day's wage. So you could take perhaps minimum wage times, in this case, 12 hours, if they worked 12 hours, and that would be the equivalent of a denarius. A denarius was just given as a day's wage to people. Now when those hired first came, so we paid the 5 p.m. people, the 3 p.m. people, the noon, the 9 a.m. people, finally he calls the people, they're finally coming up to the front right who started working at 6 a.m. They thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. Now think back to the candy situation we just did, right? This is the equivalent of giving some people different amounts, certainly per hour, right? If you take the wage divided by 12 hours, the people at 5 p.m. earned the denarius an hour. You could say they had 11 hours of standing around talking and joking and doing whatever they wanted to do, and they got paid the denarius for that last hour of work, where these people that went out at 6 a.m. and worked for 12 hours also got the denarius, but they made a whole lot less. It's just going to strike us as unfair. He paid those at 5 p.m. and gave them the denarius and paid them all through it, right? Did they get more? people that started working at the start of the day? No. Does that sound fair? What do you think? No. I mean, the gut reaction we really should have, Philip feels uh, bold enough to shake his head no. The rest of us are like, I'm not sure where Gene's going with this. If I say no and it turns out, God is, no, no, no. The gut reaction everybody should have is no, it's not fair. And on receiving it, this is the people who went out at 6 a.m., the people that worked all day, receiving it, the denarius, they grumbled at the master of the house. That's really not a surprise. Any of us, if we were in this situation, would have grumbled saying, that's not fair. That's not fair. These last worked only an hour, and you gave them equal to us who have borne the heat of the day. We were out there all day. We were sweating like crazy at 11 a.m. and noon and 1 and 2 p.m. All these other, they only came in at 5. You paid us the same? Sure seems like they have a point. It does to me. I mean, they worked all day. 
Most of us would have felt the same. I bet all of us, many of us, likely would have complained and grumbled. Here's what the master says to them. Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree to work for me for a denarius? You agreed to this. I told you I was going to pay you a denarius. You worked and I gave you a denarius. Take what belongs to you and go. My contract, as it were, my verbal contract with you was for a denarius. That's what I paid you. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Some translations say, are you jealous of the fact that I gave them the same amount as you? Are you really want just, you're just wanting more money? Is that what it is? The master replies quite correctly, certainly from the technical sense, that they got what they agreed to. No more, no less. So what to make of this? This is a parable. Jesus speaks this parable. What to take away from this? Well, I want to share a couple of things with us this morning. Be thinking of the different amounts of candy. Don't forget that. First of all, God's grace, which is really what this is all about. God's grace is not given on how much we do, but on who we know. The grace is given to us because we are working for the master. Not because some of us work 11 hours or 12 hours and some of us may only work one or two. That may not seem fair as it were, but God's grace is God's grace. What's the difference really between God's grace and the candy in the bag? I want you to think about that. We'll, we'll return to that during a little bit. Look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. I've said before, you cannot pray enough prayers. Appreciate the prayer this morning, Phil. I do. You can't pray enough prayers. You can't visit enough sick people. You can't take food to enough people. You can't give a sleeping space to enough people. You cannot do enough to merit the grace of God. Because otherwise you'd be saying, I got this because of what I did. You know, when, when somebody wins an award at these ceremonies that are on TV sometimes, you see them up there, what do they think? I worked hard for this. I worked hard for this. Look what I did, right? Or I'm the man, or whatever it would be appropriately said today. They may try to act all humble and thank people, but they're really like, yeah, it's about time people recognize me for all that I do around here. That will never happen. Never happen when it comes to God's grace. Because it is the free gift of God. It is not something we earn. It's not. In the second place, God's grace is not given on how long we are members of his family. I know someone who was baptized when they were six years old, which I will freely admit seems a bit early to me. Remember I have said, become a member of God's family when you understand that you are a sinful person, that you've done things God does not want you to have done. You, you chose to do them anyway. You understand your sinful condition. You understand the idea that Jesus came to die so that you would not have to pay the penalty for what you did. And that you then will change your life, start living for God, live less for self, and that you would be buried in the waters of baptism. 
in order to die to your old ways and be raised to walk as a brand new person. I find that hard to imagine a three-year-old could do that, right? Somewhere between three years old and 30 should really be able to understand that. Six seems a bit young, but let's suppose six in a rare instance would have understood what we just talked about. Once you become a member of God's family, remain faithful unto death, and you will receive a crown of life. You will receive God's grace. Somebody else is baptized at age 94, a day before they die. They decide, I, I, I've put it off way too long. God, I am sorry for having lived the way I did. I, I understand that I am responsible for my choices. I know what I did was sinful. I need your forgiveness. Honest heart in that circumstance, somebody that understands what Jesus did for them and becomes a member of God's family by being baptized like anyone else, may live in God's service. Those of you at home, if you can't tell, we've got a siren going about for that. You should be thankful I didn't try to compete with the siren. Somebody in that circumstance may have lived in God's service for a day, or somebody becomes a member of God's family and dies the next day at age 30, whatever it is. God's grace is not given based on having punched the time clock for a lot of years. Once you're a member of God's family, if you stay faithful to God and live for Him, God's grace is given to you, whether it's 80 years of service, or a day, or even a couple of hours. Timothy, as an example, appears to have become a Christian, perhaps very early in his life. When you look at 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, this is Paul speaking here. He says, Paul, knowing how from, a, uh, from childhood you, speaking to Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He very likely became follower of Jesus at an early age. We don't know whether he had been uh, following uh, the Jewish way of living as, he, as a child and then found out about Jesus later, but he certainly was following after God from an early age. Compare that to Paul, who became a follower of Jesus certainly much later than Timothy. Paul, in Philippians 3, 5, and 8, describing himself as a follower of God, uh, as, as a Jewish man, says, he had been circumcised on the eighth day as the law required. He was of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, very devoted to not only following God's law, but following the fence that the scribes had put around the law to make sure people didn't get close to breaking the commandment. Concerning zeal, or the Jewish way of living, persecuting the church, Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But, I always love looking for the word but in a passage. When you're reading it on your own, look for the word but in, the, in, a, in a verse, in a sentence, because it's a contrast with what came before and what came after. Look at all these, in some ways, bragging, truthful statements, I would, I would certainly suspect from Paul. But look at all this stuff on this side of the scale, and he says, but... What things were gained to me. All these things I've just talked about. I have counted loss for Christ. The word here is actually I've thrown them away. They're rubbish. 
They belong on the dung heap. They're nothing. Nothing compares to having gained Jesus. Yet indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. It sounds to me like he became a follower of Jesus later in his life, apparently, than Timothy did. So it's not based on how long you're a member of his family. If God is going to save anyone, there's no way to save some people more than others. And that's the problem with the fairness that we see. We think in terms of physical things, right? Candy. I should have given my wife, I thought about it, giving her 50 pieces of candy to make sure she won, right? Uh, they were all in the house. You could have taken anything you wanted at home for sure. But we were thinking of candy, right? Max got, how many did you get, Max? Was it seven? You know, Trayvon, I was playing game with you over here. I may have given you four, right? But that seems odd, right? Seven, four, two, zero. Because we're thinking in terms of human material things. The salvation of God can't be subdivided. It's an infinite gift, right? Infinite gift. It's more, it's a billion pieces of candy plus, if you will. There's no way that Phil's going to get a fifth of salvation and somebody else gets a half. If God saves you, everybody gets the same thing. Because we have forgiveness of all sin and we are members of his family going to live with God. That's the difference in this parable. Certainly the difference between handing out different numbers of candy and some people getting some. <coughs> Look at Acts 2.21. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone, no matter what your age is, no matter what you've done, no matter what, it doesn't matter. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Titus 3.5. He God saved us, not because of works we have done in righteousness. Remember, it's not based on how many people you visit. We're supposed to live and generate good works because of God living in us. But those aren't the reasons we're saved. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, by wanting to live for God, by understanding what Jesus did for us, by changing my life, turning away from my old way of living and turning toward a life devoted to God. And by the washing of regeneration, that's baptism. Because it's when we die to our old selves, when we are baptized, that we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that renewal of the Spirit living within me is what generates the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace makes me a different person. It isn't like candy where some people get two, three, or ten pieces. 